This is for my dreamers, doers, and audacious entrepreneurs. For those who want to wake up every day and be in love with the career you've created for yourself. This is for you. This is for us. This is the Forever Fun Employed Podcast with me, Jana Hall. Unemployed friends, this is Jana Hall, and you're listening to another episode of the Forever Fun Employed podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I am joined here today by my good friend and fellow Fun Employed gal, uh, Shannon. You may have heard about her on the last episode when I talked about building your personal executive team. I mentioned a number of roles that everyone should have on their team, and one in particular was the role of the counsel, who is a person in your life who really can be a sounding board, who I said should be industry-specific to really give valuable advice and kind of um, just help you put things into perspective as it pertains to your industry. Um, And so Shannon was one of the first people I talked to when I talked about this podcast, uh, kind of what I wanted to do with it. She's been pretty much involved in my entrepreneurial journey since, what, like 2017 is when we (laughs) met. Um, And ever since then, we've talked about how to brand fund employed, how to grow my business, how to get new clients. Um, And so she is the person that I consider to be my counsel. Um, She's also someone who has her own business. Um, but also works a full-time job. And so I knew it was so critical the minute I decided to start this podcast. I was like, I have to have Shannon on because so many people kind of run with this narrative that they have to quit their own job and or quit their job and start their own business. And the reality is this fun employed life looks different for everyone. It looks different for, you know, some people want to do full-time entrepreneurship. Some people have no desire to be a full-time entrepreneur. Um, and then there's some people who enjoy the stability, but also have passions and want to do a side hustle. And so today we have Shannon Bass here to talk about this side hustle life. Hello, Shannon. Hey, how y'all doing? (laughs) They can't answer. That's okay. (laughs) You know, black people, we like to just, you know, you know, call and answer (laughs) even if there is none. Exactly. Exactly. So thank you so much, Shannon, for joining. Um, Like I said, Shannon's someone who uh, she and I have talked a lot about um, our career paths, and she's given me a lot of advice. Shout out to her husband. He actually created the intro for the Forever Fun Employed podcast. Hey, boo. (laughs) With Shannon in the studio, critiquing in the background. (laughs) So shout out to Brandon, Nate Brand. He did his thing, but... I'm happy to have you on here. Thank you for having of me. Of course, of course. So you talk to us a little bit about um, what you do, who you are. Give us a little intro. Who is Shannon Bass? <laughs> so I am a full-time designer, um, and I am also the owner of Rhino Graphics, which I've owned for 13 years um, on the side of me working full-time. Um, I'm originally from Richmond, went to school at UNC Chapel Hill, did the whole graphic design major, came back here. Um, and so I've been doing design for, yeah, 13 years. 
13 years. And so you, your side hustle is graphic design. Mm -hmm. You are behind some of the most popular logos around Richmond. Can you tell us about a few other projects you've worked on? Yeah, so um, on my side business, I really have the opportunity to work with some businesses that I really love, people who are doing some of their passions. Um, I've done work for Urban Hang Suite, um, Hope Pharmacy, uh, Black RVA. I've done Gianna's Blend, um, Fun Employed. (laughs) Um, I do stuff for my husband um, and his group, so Purple Republic and Name Brand. Um, and so, yeah, VCU and some of the other um, colleges around the area as well. One of my personal favorites because mm-hmm. I love to eat, Little Mexico. Yes, I helped rebrand Little Mexico also. That was a fun project. Um, if you guys have not been to Little Mexico on Curie Street, it's like my guilty pleasure. It's yes. very trash, but so <laughs> delicious. <laughs> I didn't say that. No, I mean, no. Little Mexico is trash in terms of like not at all healthy. Oh, it's healthy. like the greasy. Well, you know, yeah. It's like that greasy Mexican food that you like. I love yeah. it. I love it's really it. good, yeah. No, but so you really have, and that's all through your side business, not yeah. even full time. That's like what you've been doing for your, I like to say people with a side hustle, they have a nine to five and then a five to nine. Yeah. So those are all your five to nine clients. Yes. And so what is your nine to five? So currently I am full-time designer for John Tyler Community College. Um, My background is kind of higher ed. I've worked in um, corporate spaces. I used to work for a large company here, a large packaging company. Um, I've worked for the federal government um, and run a team in Northern Virginia. Um, So I've kind of done a little bit of mixture of all, um, but in each situation I'm kind of a full house in a full a full-time in-house designer. Um, So that's like my main my main Mm -hmm. thing. So do you love, I mean, so, so you've like worked for the government, you work for the state, you worked for agency. Like, so what's your kind of your favorite of the bunch? My favorite is working for myself. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I get to work with people like everyday people who are like following their dreams. So mm-hmm. it's really cool to kind of talk to people who have like these amazing ideas. And then we kind of take those ideas and like really create something that's concrete something that's lasting. Some of this stuff is like things they can pass down for their families. It builds wealth for them. So mm-hmm. it's really cool to be a part of them kind of like living their dreams. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoy the side hustle work probably more than the full-time work. But, you know, it pays the bills and, you know, it has good insurance. See, and that's the key. <laughs> As someone who has recently got health insurance, yeah. um, that is a big thing. So a lot of people... When we talk about this fun employed life, people are talking about quitting their job, doing what they love full time. And I will be the first to give a realistic perspective on what this means. Like, it's not just I love to do X, so I'm going to quit my job and do X and that's it. It's no, you're running a business and doing X is only a small percentage mm-hmm. of what you do. And <laughs> Benefits is something you have yes, to consider. Very much. <laughs> you so. have to create your own. You have to go out and pursue insurance, health, dental, mm-hmm. vision, all of that. Um, and so, I would you say that's one of the things that you love most about the full time job is the stability and the benefits and those kind of things. Is that why you won't leave? Yeah. yeah so I really value. Uh, a guaranteed check that comes mm. like it really makes me feel comfortable that direct deposit to know girl. <laughs> that the direct deposit is going to hit um and you know I think for me um I think 
the healthcare industry is changing significantly. And so not having to think about how stressful that is of like going out and figuring out how to find the right healthcare and the cost of that. Um, even like 401k is something that's mm-hmm. really difficult to mm-hmm. like set up your own investing in yourself and making sure that you're taking a certain amount of money out. Um, so it's always been kind of a comfort for me to mm-hmm. have that full-time job um, where, you know, you're able to have guaranteed money coming in, you know what your salary is, you know what your benefits package Mm -hmm. looks like. Um, And so that gives me this ability to kind of take some risks when it comes to my side business. Yeah. And that's exactly, I mean, that's, I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs wish they could have is like the ability to, I mean, we all take risks, we all try new things, but when there's your livelihood on the line, you're less likely to take (laughs) risks. Very much so. And so you can kind of not pigeonhole, but in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. you just go with for what's safe. And so having that cushion allows you to really just kind of do what you want. And I've seen you firsthand, you shopping, you're, you know, like you're taking on clients, you're declining clients. And I think it's, you know, when us entrepreneurs, we can get, when you don't have guaranteed money coming in, Mm -hmm. it's like, let me just take whatever job I can get. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a good fit or not, I'm just going to take whatever. This person could be a pain to work with. They could drive me crazy. They could, you know, be undercutting me on pay, whatever the case. But it's like, we need the money. Right. So you have the freedom to not take anyone (laughs) you feel like is not a good fit. Yeah. There is definitely some freedom there. Um, And I think, you know, being a designer and knowing that you work full time, it was always kind of cool for me to say, in my spare time, I can do the things that I'm passionate about. Um, you know, in corporate America or working a full time job, you're kind of like at the mercy of wherever you work. So you're kind of, you know, within that brand or that structure. So being able to kind of pick and choose who I want to work with on mm-hmm. the side um, really makes it a little bit more fulfilling for me. So. Mm-hmm. I, you know, have the opportunity to say like, hey, this client's a good fit for me. Um, hey, this is the amount of money that I want to make right now. Um, I have crazy shopping habits. So <laughs> crazy. You know, we were just talking about these this, boots. You know, yeah. It helps to fuel, you know, my passions and my habits. And can we talk about so, Ivy Park for just a second? Yeah, let's talk about it. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about we, it. We, uh, this is a tangent, <laughs> but we have stressed out. <sighs> Completely. I think it was worse than like getting Jordans. I really do. I mean, like this, this was is worse like, than like anything. Concert anticipated. tickets. Like I think we got something in a water tickets like way faster than this. Like this was like yeah. ultra stressful, and I still don't so have sure. the shoes I want. But Shannon legit bought every like almost everything in the collection. Yeah, because I am a hustler. <laughs> a shopaholic. Hey, listen, <laughs> I understand how to maximize my uh, abilities so that I can do the things that I want to do. So, you know, I was able to purchase some pieces and I knew that it was going to be um, something that people really wanted. And so I was able to, you know, make a little bit of money on the side. Shannon, to cover would, my be, Shannon would be like, hey, I'm selling this dress. I'm like, I didn't even know you got a dress. Yes. I'm also selling these extra small leggings. We don't wear the extra small. What are you doing? I'm also selling these. I have two pair of shoes I'm selling. Yeah. I'm selling this jacket. Like, just everything. And so that just goes to show the shopping habit. But you can do that because... Yeah, because some people have full-time hustles, like side hustles, you know, buying, um, you know, concert tickets or buying Jordans or buying sneakers or things that are in high demand and being able to make a profit on Mm -hmm. that high demand. And so I have a lot of respect for that. I used to be a crazy sneakerhead. I still have quite a few 
few pairs of Jordans. Um, and so I know what it's like. My mom was like the person that was in the line at Foot Locker at like eight mm. o'clock when they used to do that. Um, and Everyone so I feel never. like, you know, you got to figure out whatever it works to mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, whatever you have to do to make it work for right. yourself, to make the money that you need to support, whether it's like helping pay bills or helping pay a shopping habit. <laughs> so like you got to do what you got to do. Like everything is a hustle. And if it helps you get to your goals, I'm all for it. Right. And I mean, it's it's not just, you know, you have the side business so that you can shop. I mean, you do invest a lot mm-hmm. into your craft. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, your full-time job pays for your professional development in that realm, but there are some things that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're definitely creative. You not only design, but you do, you know, you like print stuff mm-hmm. and you make, you don't make clothing, but you, you know, print logos on clothing yeah. and different things. And yeah. so you're very much a kind of all-around creative mm-hmm. and you are able to use your side hustle to fuel the things that matter to you, whether it's like being creative, designing stuff for your friends or clients, whatever. And so I think that's another thing, like, you know, it's, it's important to think about, you know, what are you using your full-time job for and where is that money going? And then all the side, side hustle money, it's like, it's funding something else. And so I think you've been, since I've known you, a good example of, you know, doing all kinds of things (laughs) that money goes untouched my work money is untouched but this is my play money yeah it's kind of like you know play money or things to invest back in my business I think it allows me um the flexibility to buy things that I may not be able to buy so if I want to buy a new craft machine or I need to get a new laptop or I want new software or I want to take you know go to a conference um I can use that from my side business to use that money to pay for Mm -hmm. it and I also can write it off because it is a part of my business um, and so, you know, you kind of have that, like, you know, plus, two plus, like, you know, extra money for mm-hmm. the things that you want for, you know, shopping and all that fun stuff. But also being able to um, spend the money to make yourself better at what you do. So mm-hmm. that could be, you know, anything, software, traveling, anything. Yeah. Um, you have a little bit more flexibility. So I'm a little bit more willing to spend money uh, to increase my skill set where I might not be willing to do that with just what I have for my mm-hmm. full time because I have a mortgage and that is <laughs> where I spend my money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So so what came first? Was it uh, Rhinographics mm-hmm. or was it Shannon the full-time designer? So I would say Rhinographics came about way before I actually like was official and got like a business license. Um, I was definitely that girl in college that was doing websites for like all the fraternities and sororities <laughs> at school. Um, I was really extra with my sorority doing flyers for all of our events, tickets, t-shirts. I was that person that did all the graphic stuff in, in college. So I kind of started pretty early on making like little bits of money. I mean, that was back when I was charging like two fifty for a flash website, which is crazy to think about it. Yeah, Flash websites. Everybody wanted music, you know, the intro music, uh-huh. the animation. Um, and so I was doing Flash websites back in college. Did so you do custom MySpace pages? I did do custom Nuh-uh. MySpace I was being pages. funny, you no, did. I did. And I got paid for it. Wow. Yeah. I was being funny. I you did um, are the only and Terrence J when they were back on like 106 and Park. What? I did their pages. Yeah. Girl. Actually, Dickie hit me up to do his page. Shut up. He wasn't trying to pay me, so I was like, nah. But he was little, so he didn't have any money probably to do that. Did he? Diggy. Oh, Diggy. I'm like, yeah, Diddy, girl. No, little Diggy. That was back in the day. Really? Like, How yeah. did he find you? Because I did their pages. And I think I had like my tag 
um, somewhere on their design. So like I would design like the whole background of their pages. Everything was all designed. Yeah. Did you did Terrence and yeah, Terrence and Roxy's pages. Yeah. How did you just randomly drop that on me? I don't know. I thought I told you. <laughs> I Listen, did not. I know you. I evolved you knew Terrence. Well, did, you knew him from college. Well, yeah, I knew him uh, through a friend from college, and so because he I also to went do, to school in North Carolina. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I was the person that everybody knew that like did graphics, and I think back then it wasn't necessarily like a big thing. Now, so many people that do design. Yeah. Um, but back then, it wasn't a lot of like people that looked like me that were doing graphics. Um, outside of like you know people who did club flyers, and those were awful back then. <laughs> um, so I was doing you know websites and MySpace pages and. Flash and so yeah, people kind of like passed it on like, hey, I know this girl who can do wow. this design stuff. It's awful when so I look back at it. So you're a true veteran. You yeah. were on MySpace HTML. Yeah, <laughs> doing backgrounds, wow. cutting and slicing in Photoshop. That was back in the day. Wow, and it's terrible work when I look at it now. <laughs> I'm really but that was but that. a lot of people. Everyone has a hustle in college. I didn't because mm-hmm. I don't have any skills that are hustleable, but. People were doing hair. Yeah, I was nails. doing websites. You're doing full websites. <laughs> websites, flyers. Um, I think I kind of started a trend with my chapter. Um, shout out to Kappa Omicron um, at UNC Chapel Hill, um, where we were like super extra with like our step shows. So I was designing like all the backdrops and like we were going in and painting them. We were doing like everything. All of our like flyers for events were like extra designed. Like we all had t-shirts for like every event that we did. I designed t-shirts and like <laughs> went to the printer to get them printed. Like we were really extra. And this is like back in like 2004, 2005. Like we wow. were. Yeah. Yeah. I've been extra for, as a designer for a long time. And you still are. I still am. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Anytime you go anywhere, there will be something custom from Shannon. Absolutely. Something. <laughs> we have to brands everything. Everything. Yeah. So Rhino Graphics clearly came first. Yeah. And so you had this desire before college because you obviously you majored in graphic design. Mm-hmm. And so then what happened? So once you had this degree, you already had this side hustle, um, and then you moved to Richmond, or yeah, you moved, moved back. Okay, mm-hmm. you moved back, and then you started to just find work in your career, which is really hard for people to find work in Mm -hmm. their field. Yes. Um, I would definitely say a lot of people that I went to school with probably aren't graphic designers now because I think it's pretty hard to get into it. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of gave myself six months to find a job or I was going to go to grad school um, because I was pretty dead set on getting a job at like an advertising agency or an in-house agency. Um, And I would talk to my mom and she would be like, okay, so like, what do you do? Because I think everybody thinks graphic designers are like, computer like we fix computers mm-hmm. or things so I had to like show her examples of things um and so I real she told me that they had like people at VCU who did what I did um and so she reached out to them to see if they had any like internships and they had one um so I started with an internship at VCU um and that turned into a full-time job in a couple of months after I got there so mm-hmm. I was pretty lucky to find an in-house design job um but I do think it's pretty difficult to kind of crack into it because you know, everybody wants like amazing portfolios and people want people who have a lot of history. And so coming out of college, you really just don't have that experience. Um, and so luckily, you know, they took a chance on me at my first job. I had an amazing manager um, at VCU who really took me under her wing and kind of showed me like all the tips and tricks on being a great designer. Mm-hmm. So I really credit her with a lot of um, who I am today. So And so mentorship, you know, and I, I talked in my last episode about the importance of having 
council, but that council being industry specific. Mm -hmm. And so that's a testament to you need someone who can make you better at what you do. Someone can inspire you all day, but if they're not making you better Mm -hmm. at your specific industry. Yeah. It's definitely needed for sure. Yeah. And so that's kind of, you can credit her in a way for your growth. I do. I give her all the big ups for who I am today as a designer. She was an amazing designer um, and she taught me everything that I knew. So I felt like uh, that was a really great opportunity for me that I know a lot of people in design really don't get that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I definitely wanted to make sure, like I took advantage of everything. So I asked her questions all the time and she showed me tips and tricks on how to you know do software things about printing mm-hmm. and color and ink and paper um so that really was like my jumping off point uh to being a designer mm-hmm. i started at vcu so so if someone wants to find that person uh how do you suggest they go about searching or is there a way to find that person do you stumble into it networking events like how does how does one find the person that'll help them propel their career? I mean, I think in my industry, like it's first, it's really important to get whatever your first job is. I think it's important to make sure you have a team. So a lot of times when people are looking for jobs, it's like a single person. So like the only designer there. And when you're in those situations, you're not having enough feedback and people to kind of help you Mm -hmm. grow. And so you can become stagnant really, really quickly, especially if you're early on. Um, There are a lot of organizations that, you know, are design centered. So you have like AIGA or Ag Club here in Richmond. Um, Getting involved in those type of places gets you access to people that are higher up in their field um, doing design. I will definitely say that finding people who look like me, so that would be people of color in the design industry, was extremely difficult. Um, And so I did not have a mentor uh, for a large part of my career. Um, Really, I've never had one. I think my boss was kind of like my mentor, and thankfully I had her. Um, But you know, it can be a little bit difficult. I think you have to really go out and like seek someone who has a design style that you admire. Um, and I think just reaching out to them and asking like, mm-hmm. Hey, would you be willing to just talk to me about what <clears throat> you do? Give me some, you know, help or like, feedback or mm-hmm. criticism. I think a lot of people would be willing to do it. Um, but I think it's kind of up to that person to reach out. Cause it's not a yeah. lot of places to find those people. Yeah. <clears throat> There's, um, I don't know where I heard this quote from, but I heard someone say, like, when it comes to networking or finding someone you want to connect with, in order to be interesting, you must first be interested. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, finding people who pique your interest for whatever reason, maybe they're in the same field as you or whatever, um, but asking questions and showing interest in what they do. Um, everyone loves talking about themselves. Yes, so they do. <laughs> de- definitely knowing the questions to ask. It's not all, you know, can you mentor me or can I shadow you? But mm-hmm. more so, you know, like asking how they got into the position, like giving them yeah. an opportunity to share their story. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that the most fulfilling interactions I've had are when I have asked the most questions. Yes. Because, they, I mean, they always end up following up because they feel like you took a genuine interest. You weren't in it necessarily for yourself, trying to pitch yourself, sell yourself, but more so you're interested in their knowledge, their expertise, their yep. experience, and they're more willing to build a relationship with you that way. So yep. um, that's definitely how I've been able to kind of grow a lot of my relationships is just being curious and asking questions. Yeah. 
asking questions will definitely get you places. Mm-hmm. I will think I definitely think that's true. Yeah. For sure. So we talked a little bit about like the whole nine to five full time job, mm-hmm. five to nine side hustle. Yeah. Um, and everyone is like, I'm asleep when I'm dead. Like, just team no Shut sleep. Up. I mean, everyone is all about the grind. And I think we we are slowly moving into this air, like this time where everyone's tired. Yeah, <laughs> so we're all like, self-care, self-care take a nap, <laughs> unplug, yes. like all this stuff. Um, but I think a lot of people still feel like in order for me to get where I need to be, I need to balls to the wall, hustle, never sleep, don't eat. Like Beyonce is a great example of pe- someone who is like insane yeah. with Meanwhile, her drive. She's eating apples and tired. Okay, she and hungry. Never do it again. Right. So, like, yeah. what is the biggest? I mean, we all glorify this hustle mentality, and I mean, Beyonce is an outlier because I mean, yeah, she's Beyonce. The best. Right. But I mean, you essentially have two jobs. Mm-hmm. You have, and it's not even like this is a hobby. I mean, taxes and. All of this stuff. Yeah. So what is the biggest misconception people have about having a full-time and a side hustle? And do you experience burnout? Girl, <laughs> listen. So I think the biggest misconception is like, I think people just feel like, I think people get caught up in like the money. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, oh, you got a full-time job. So you're making money at your full-time job. And then you're making money on the side. So I'm like, I know you're paid. And I'm like, okay, well, money isn't everything though. Mm-hmm. Um, and time is limited. And Ooh. so I think it's one of those things where you sit there and you know, you're grinding out. And then next thing you know, you haven't you know accomplished other goals or you haven't, you don't have a relationship that you want because you don't have time for that. Or if you want to have children or you have other dreams or passions, you have, you know, basically turned around and now you don't have time for those things. Um, and you look up and you're like, where did my life go? Because I've been grinding it out. So I think that there has to be balance when it mm-hmm. comes to anything, um, especially when it comes to having a full-time job and a side hustle. Um, I think it's really important to make time for things that are important to you, um, things that kind of like fill you up. Because it can really be very tiring. I mean, Mm -hmm. you could feel like depleted because you're literally, I'm on a computer all day. So I'm going from work computer to home to my laptop. Um, And so I have to make time. And I think that, you know, my husband and I had a conversation and he was like, hey, you're busy all the time. And I'm like, okay, you know, that is a clue to me. Like, I need to spend more time. So like, we're you know, watching uh, the Vikings together. We're watching, you know, all of these shows together. We're trying to spend more time together because I don't want to look back and say, oh, I was so successful in my side hustle and I made this amount of money this past year. Mm-hmm. And then the people that I care about are like, where are you? I haven't right. heard from you. Or I don't talk to you. Or why don't we hang out anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's like really important to find balance and to know what your end game is, I think, is important. Mm-hmm. So it can't be like you trying to hustle forever and it's just all about making money making money uh, because eventually you're going to burn out and you have money but you won't have anyone around mm-hmm. you because you don't spend time with right. those people so so then how do you strike that balance because I mean there is a level of necessary hustle mm-hmm. that comes into play when you are you know you do have a passion mm-hmm. for something and you want to start a business but you don't want to leave that stability so then where is how do you develop that balance if you know that you need to grind to get your business to the point where it's where you are where Mm -hmm. you are at the point where now you're like I don't want this client I'm not taking any more clients till March you know so what how do you get that balance when you 
when you see how much work you have to do. Right. So I remember back in the day, um, I met another designer who was older than me and I asked her her price prices. I'm like, how much you charge for logos? And I think back then I was charging, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars. And I asked her and she was double my price. And I'm like, people are paying that? And she was like, yes. And she's like, you know, for every two logos that you do, I'm doing one. And that really, really struck with me. And so my mentality started to become, you know, getting paid more for my worth and not having to do a tremendous amount of work to get that. Um, And so I think part of it is trying to figure out how to set prices that make sense for the value that you're bringing um, and not being willing to settle for less uh, because, you know, settling for less means more work and less money. Right. So my motto is kind of like, you know, more money, less work. And it doesn't mean that the work isn't going to be quality because I, you know, have a better skill set as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. I can do things faster. Um, you know, I've been doing design for 13 years. Um, but I think it's really trying to figure out how to um, place value on what you do and be willing to, like, stick to that regardless. Yeah. So, yes, there are people who come and their budget might be below what I charge. Um, but for me... I feel like what I'm providing is a service and there's a value to that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not willing to negotiate my price um, because then I'm going to be doing more work and not getting what I feel like I should get for value's sake. So... At this, in that same token, so you and I have had many conversations mm-hmm. about pricing, mm-hmm. my pricing, your pricing. Um, and one thing you have told me is, you know, think about your market. So there are people who feel like, I know my worth, I have done this and that and that, mm-hmm. and I, just like you said, like, I'm not trying to work a lot for less money. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to work smarter and get less, fewer clients um, and charge more. So how does that factor in with what mm-hmm. we've talked about with yeah. you? No, because you encouraged me to lower my rates, right? given the market and given the businesses that I wanted to serve. Um, and I, I see the value in that because I do have a greater market share. Mm-hmm. But for someone who feels like, I know, I know my value, I know what I bring, I'm going to charge X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. So how do you, because that's kind of how, mm-hmm. where you were, so how do you... What do you have to say for the people who still have to kind of, I don't know if it's pay their dues Mm -hmm. or, you know, like it's a slower climb. Yeah. And I think that we all have the climb. So I think for me being where I am in my career, I feel like I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, I've put in the time I've done websites for $250. Like I've been that person. I've done things for free. Um, and I think I've just grown into this place where like, I've been doing it for such a long time that for me, I'm like, okay, I don't have the capacity to do, uh, more. Mm -hmm. So basically I'm capped at amount at what I can do. Mm -hmm. So I have to be very selective and like what I can actually, um, accept. And so I think when it comes to certain industries, I think the other part too is like, Design has finally got to the place where people start to recognize and value it. So branding started becoming a thing like a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. People are like, brand this and brand that. So I think people are like buying more into the idea of like, this is something that's important. Like your logo will be with your business forever. 
It is an investment. But we had to get to that place where people really understood that. Mm-hmm. And I would say early in my career, I mean, I'm telling people I'm a graphic designer. They have no idea what that is. Today, people kind of know. Like, oh, mm-hmm. you're a graphic designer. I understand what that is. Right. Um, and that took time in, in kind of the, the industry changing and recognizing that value in that. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, in your area with social media, I think people feel like it's not if they don't understand the value in it, they don't realize it's a tool for marketing. They kind of like, oh, people are on social media and it, it has a bad rap for some people. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's just about talking and it's not about, you know, they don't really understand the value. So what you kind of have to do is show them the value by being able to like get your foot in the door to mm-hmm. say like, okay, so where are we starting from? Let me show you the value. What's your budget? How do I kind of fit into where that is? Not doing more work, but kind of saying like, okay, let me show you the value. Mm-hmm. And then once you show people the value and they can kind of see like the return on their investment, people are more likely to want to spend more money. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I started off with the like, you mm-hmm. know, very at the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a portfolio. So I, you know, I may have reached out to people and maybe their business or who they were was going to be a stepping stone for me. So maybe mm-hmm. I didn't charge them that much because I felt like they were going to talk about my business to someone else and yeah. I was going to get more business. And so, you know, the first, I would say five years, that was kind of me building up my portfolio, mm-hmm. really figuring it out. I would say like the next from like five to 10 years, I probably was just kind of figuring out like what my worth is and what my value was. And I learned a lot of that from working uh, full time. Mm-hmm. So we worked, I worked full time and we hired freelancers. I'm like looking mm. at like, what is the hourly rate? Like, what yeah. are they charging? Looking at like, what is their um, experience versus mine? So like if we're hiring someone and the person's freelance, I would look up and say like, let me look at their website. And they're at, maybe they're at 10 years of experience and I'm at, you know, five or six. Mm-hmm. And so I say, okay, what's their rate at 10 years? Like I'm going to be at their rate or higher when I get to their place. Mm. Um, and so for me, I think it was a steady climb. And I think for um, a lot of people, it kind of has to be that depending on your industry. Yeah. There are some people who like, I feel like electricians are like, charging a lot of money, like $80 an hour to like, you know, and I feel like it's the skill set that everybody needs and we mm-hmm. will value it from the beginning. Right. 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 Design, people don't really understand right. that. If the price is too need. high, they're like, oh, I don't need later. it. I mean, it's a lot of Electrician, options. if your stuff is messed up, you're like, <laughs> yes. I don't, I need you now. Yes. And you know, we have Canva and like people feel like they can create their own stuff too. So I have a competition with that. Um, but I don't think I've maxed myself out. I think I always push myself and I change my rates yearly mm-hmm. because I feel like each time I'm going to classes and I'm building up what I know about branding and strategy and I'm able to offer more and more things for my clients so they kind of can get a one-stop shop. And yeah. I think that there's some benefit of being able to go to one person and get a lot of stuff done mm-hmm. instead of going to like multiple yeah. people. So I feel like making myself marketable um, allows me to be able to charge more. But I think everybody kind of has to start somewhere in order to kind of Mm -hmm. understand their market, understand their clients, what clients are willing to pay, what clients are looking for, and then figure out how you can like really tap Mm -hmm. into like those needs and then figure out ways to like increase your revenue from there. Yeah. And I think that's the benefit of having a full-time job where you're not depending on your side hustle because what happens is you quit your job and you're like, I'm going to do this, do what I love full time. And then it's like, I got bills. I have bills. So mm-hmm. I can't play this long game. I right. need money right. now. I need some money. And so, okay. and so I think, I think that is 
having that full-time job allows you to play the long game and to be like, I'm going to start small, I'm going to cover the market, mm-hmm. you know, and then as I, you know, increase my skill set, whatever, I'm going to, you know, slowly raise my prices. And so I, you know, had a consultation yesterday where, you know, someone's coming in at a premium rate and I'm like, let's just take a step back. You know, mm-hmm. like your business is new, brand spanking new. Yep. And you're already, you know, double, triple what the market rate is for Richmond, you know? And I think like there's this urgency because you don't, this is going to be your sole source of income. So you're like, let me Mm -hmm. set my price up here because then I'll be able to make my bills. But it's like, actually, if you had this cushion of this full-time job, you could focus on, let me see how many people I can meet and connect with and do their, you know, do, you know, whatever service Mm -hmm. it is at a lower rate. So that way, you know, there's word of mouth. I can slowly start to build my business. And I think that that is, that's the hardest part of having a business is like being able to be on the ground floor doing the work to build it up. Yeah. Because where I am now and like the price point I'm charging, you know, right now, that's not ultimately where I want to be. And I mean, we've talked about what I want, you know, my race to be and you're like, uh, bring it down a little bit. But in, you know, as a result, you know, I can say that I don't have to market myself in terms of, you know, going out and asking for clients. They come to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's because at a lower price point, I'm able to touch more people and then they're spreading the word. Right. And you're not going to do a significant amount of work, you know, to the point where you're like overworked and like underpaid. I don't think Mm -hmm. anybody should get into the space where they're in that space, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think you have to understand like what service that you're providing. Mm-hmm. And so that's the part about like, you know, when I'm working full time and we're hiring freelancers and I have the opportunity to see what they're charging on an hourly rate, I can make sure that what I'm charging isn't outrageous. Mm-hmm. And so my rates that I charge today are definitely based on the market. They're mm-hmm. not like outrageous based on anything right. other than like, I know that with my background and what I'm providing, that this is a reasonable rate. Um, and I can go in and say, okay, I'm going to charge everybody, you know, $15,000 for a logo. Um, but that's not my target market because I'm marketing to smaller businesses. And so I have to understand what business business have for expenses and then say like, okay, what as a startup, are they going to be willing to spend on their business? And then being able to like tell them like this is something that sticks with you forever. So I have a service that creates something tangible for a business that remains with their business for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so being able to talk to people and say those things, I can assign a higher value to yeah. that as opposed to something that they feel like is temporary or just for the time. Mm-hmm. So when people have a lot of other things going on, you know, it's harder to sell social media at the beginning because yeah. you're trying to start your business. Yep. And like the biggest things you're thinking about is like, I got to get taxes together. Mm-hmm. I got to figure out how to get a logo. I got to figure out how to like get my business registered, you know, with the county, you know, get my LLC. You have all these other startup costs. I think people have now figured out like that logo development, like website branding is like very upfront. Mm-hmm. And because it has become an upfront thing, they're willing to spend more money yeah. because it's a, it's kind of in the you know realm of all the mm-hmm. other things with startup costs. Um, but when you start getting into other services later, people will probably not um, 
assign a high value to certain things that they can't really see like the end result and so I think with social media it's really taking an opportunity to like show them the benefit of it and so sometimes that takes a little bit longer but if you can get somebody in the door Mm -hmm. maybe with a little bit of lower price point to be able to say like let me show you Mm -hmm. how we can do this and it can benefit your company when they start to see the return then they're going to be willing to be more invested and Mm -hmm. so I think that that's how design started as well where people were like I don't need a logo I'm gonna just draw this thing on a piece of paper and like I'm gonna scan it in and that's it's a free be it. logo generator right. on, yeah. on Google. Canva has things. <laughs> um, then so they try to get t-shirts and the t-shirt vendor is like, hey, I need a vector. And they're sitting there like, I don't have that. And so now we've gotten into a space where like people want to do promotional items and signs for their business and all those things require like logos in formats that the average person cannot do. Mm-hmm. And so that brings value into some of yeah. the things I do. So I think sometimes it's just like a little bit of a a waiting game and a little bit of like you know mm-hmm. kind of sitting and so it's like yeah. your turn to do it and then making sure that when you're mm-hmm. in there you're like really really building the value for what you're bringing so that people are like oh this yeah. is like helping my business mm-hmm. I'm willing to spend more money in order to make more money for right. myself and it's again the long game you know if we're gonna be in this you know I'm 31 mm-hmm. and you know I'm imagining mm-hmm. whatever <laughs> I'm imagining <laughs> You know, retiring at 60. Mm-hmm. That is 29 years yes. of work. Yes. Do I really think that with 29 years left in my career that mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be at the pinnacle right now? Yeah. I'm, it's, it's like you're playing the long game yeah. and it's you're going to grow and you're going to evolve. But I think to expect to be where you want to be, I think it's good to have that vision. And we were talking about that, you know, your dreams and, you know, kind of what do what will it take for me to be this kind of person that I want to be when I have all these when I see all these dreams in the life I want to live mm-hmm. am I that person right now yeah and you know how does that person operate how does that person do business how does that you know all these things that go into you know getting to this pinnacle this yeah. peak of your career you know time. we're still building that you know if I want to have a six seven figure business is Jana a six, seven figure person right now? Questions we have to ask ourselves. Right. And so, sure. you know, take time. And for people who have a full time job, you have the luxury of not having to yeah. rush. You know, for me at a lower price point, I'm working a little bit more mm-hmm. because I'm try you know, I have to bring in more clients to pay the yeah. bills. But, you know, eventually I'll get to the place where I can have two clients and be yeah. sitting, living good, yeah. making the money that I want to make, but it just takes time. And, and I'm that- only four years February 6th will be four years in business. (laughs) And so, you know, it just, we have to, you know, it takes time. Yeah. And I think the other part too is, you know, when you're working with small businesses, you have to realize like they're kind of in the same lane that you're in. So the people that you're working with are starting off and if they have a great business plan, you know, where you see yourself in the next couple of years, they see themselves in the next couple of years. So you kind of get in there with them and, you know, they're kind of in the trenches at the beginning and Mm -hmm. they're kind of figuring it out, but they may have amazing ideas. And so, you know, if you can give them a product that will help benefit their company as they move forward and they move into, you know, six, seven figures with their own business, they'll take you along Mm -hmm. because they'll say like, this person was there with me and they also provided me with a great, amazing product. Product and it really helped my business. And you kind of like, as you see yourself growing, you know, you can kind of see yourself growing with your clients. And I think that that's also a part of like the longevity of your business. Right. To say like, you know, I get in here, I kind of show the value and what I can bring. And then later on, these people see my value. They're willing to pay me, you know, more as I get to the place where I'm delivering, mm-hmm. you know, more value. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I want to take a step back a little bit to talk more about um, balancing. Um, I know we addressed it a little bit, but a lot of people have full-time jobs and they're working on their side hustle during work hours. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any maybe like unwritten rules or pieces of advice that you would give someone who is like, this is paying my bills, but this is what I really want to do over mm-hmm. here. And like how to balance it too, because you, what you don't want to do is risk your full-time job because you're yes. so focused on <laughs> your part-time. So what do you, how do you, balance the two or do you are you just like yeah (laughs) no I definitely um I think for me I actually it's probably a little bit different than a lot of people because I actually like my full-time job and so a lot of people (laughs) who are like trying to find the side hustle or kind of move out of it Mm -hmm. part of the reason why they're trying to move is because they don't like what they're doing in their Mm full-time so for me it's a little bit different because I am a designer during the day and I'm also a designer in the evening could you speak to someone who doesn't have or could you yeah yeah so I think I'm in a little bit different space, but I do think that a lot of people are in the space where they're like, okay, this is not serving me anymore, their full-time job, and then they have a side hustle. But I think if you're willing to do them both, you definitely don't want to sacrifice one for the other. Like, Mm -hmm. please don't be like at your job, you know, running off sheets and printing off stuff for your side hustle and your boss is like, why are you using company money and you're getting in trouble? Like, <laughs> you don't want to do Almost that like embezzlement. Yeah, like, please don't do that. <laughs> please don't, um, you know, don't abuse your primary job because that is, you know, a source of stability for mm-hmm. you. A lot of us have families. A lot of us have bills, mortgages, rent, everything that we have to do. And so, you know, I think it's trying to figure out how to balance those two. So, like, if you have a lunch break, do things on your lunch break. Like, take that hour instead of, like, going out to eat, you know, and spending money. Um, take that time, pull out your laptop, do work, answer emails, all those things, like, during that time. Um, and then, you know, I think for me, I make it known to my clients that I work full-time. So mm-hmm. I don't keep it a secret. I'm like, this is what I do. Um, and I'm kind of, like, don't really expect, you know, me to answer a bunch of emails throughout the daytime mm-hmm. because I'm basically using my lunch break as a time to kind of check in. Yeah. So I think it's important if you if you are in a service-based um, industry to, like, kind of let your clients know. Like, I know it's great to say, like, I have this business and they people, you know, want to tell mm-hmm. them that you have another job. But I think it's important to kind of tell your clients, like, hey – these are times where mm-hmm. I'm not going to be available. Yeah. Um, and then kind of tell them like what your hours are. Um, I think it's being flexible in the evening time. Most of my meetings with clients are in the evening, typically like after 6.30. So I give myself a buffer between like the end of work and like meetings so I can get anything done that I need to before mm-hmm. then. Um, and then I don't work on the weekends. And for me, that's just a way so I can balance my personal time um, to make sure that I'm doing the things that I feel like I love that could be going to spend time with my family or doing a hobby or just cleaning up my house. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think it's like really trying to not dive in head first so that you're drowning. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't want to do that. Like, we want you to be able to kind of like coast, you know, through it. So like, we want you to stay afloat when it comes to your, <laughs> right. your side gig. Like, yeah. don't jump in head first and then you're drowning and you don't, you know, you're at work and you're tired and you're at mm-hmm. home. I think it's important to set work hours for yourself, for your side hustle, um, mm-hmm. set boundaries on time, um, and to give yourself grace. Like, I feel like, 
you know, there's this push to be like so super successful, like so fast. And I'm like, you know, most people who are successful have like been working for years and years so and long. years. It takes so long to be successful. I mean, even people who have storefronts or restaurants or businesses, they're not making uh, salaries for like the first, most people for the first two to three years, mm-hmm. they're not making money. Yeah. So I think it's like, give yourself the space to say like, I'm going to go after my dream, which may be a little bit farther. And because I'm working full time, it may take me a little bit longer, but like, you know, stay on the journey mm-hmm. and give yourself some space to grow, yeah. some space to mess up, um, some space to learn so that you can ultimately get to that place where you find success in your, yeah. your side gig. But, you know, give yourself grace so that you're not I stressing yourself out. I love that. The whole grace thing is like so important because we beat ourselves up because we're not where we feel we mm-hmm. should be. Um, and you know, you mentioned that you full transparency, tell your clients like, Hey, I have a full-time job. I had to kind of, I had to do the same for, for me and my job. Mm -hmm. You know, my team members have full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. I'm not in a position to pay them full salaries. Yeah. And so I have to tell clients, you know, and even though I try to think in the mindset of a full service agency that has full-time employees, Mm -hmm. I know that's not, that's not my reality. And so Mm -hmm. I have to tell clients like, Hey, any edits you have to any of the work we do, I need you to send mm-hmm. them by like 5 p.m. Yep. the day before because my team has full-time jobs and they can't respond to something at 9, 10 o'clock in the day, mm-hmm. in the morning because they're at work. And so mm-hmm. I try to be respectful. I, you know, they will, they have their own system and how they do things. But I really had to be like, you know, I will one day get to that place where Mm -hmm. we can be full time and working together. But in the meantime, we're working on different schedules. And when they work is not when I'm working and vice versa. They have their like meetings on Sundays and Saturdays and I'm, you know, offline. And so I'm like, I, you know, my team members, they all have full time jobs. So if you have anything, any changes you need to be made, I can't guarantee that I can get them to you, you know, at that time. And so you have to kind of. Give yourself grace and be honest with where you are at the time. And, you know, we're all getting there. (laughs) We're all going to be where we want to be. We will get to the dreams. Right. It it will happen. And there's no rush. There is no rush. We are playing the long game. So um, I try to, I think that's the super important part is to give yourself grace to not, you know, beat yourself up about where you are versus where you want to be because, you know, we're laying foundation. Yeah, set boundaries and stick to the boundaries. Mm -hmm. So take the time to figure out what the norms are for your business and how are you going to work and, you know, weave that into, you know, your consultation process. So when you're meeting clients and you're talking to them, tell them those things straight up. Like, this is how long it takes to get replies. Like, I set, you know, very reasonable timelines, which are technically Mm -hmm. outside of what I would normally do, Mm -hmm. just to give myself, like, an extra day just in case... You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. The toilet overflows. and maybe, You know, there's right. so many things that can and happen. And that's my problem. Someone can send me yeah. up and I'll be like, great, I have a tea by end of day. And I'm like, that's yeah. not realistic. And I think that the average person, I think when you're very forward at the beginning and you're very open about it, I think that they all respect you for it. Mm-hmm. If you don't tell the truth and you set expectations that you cannot meet, that's when you start having a right. problem. So right. I think it's like, be as transparent as, as you can be. I think if people value what you can bring to the table, being a person mm-hmm. that works full time won't be a deterrent for them because mm-hmm. they're coming to you for the service that you can provide. And they could have gone somewhere else, but they've chosen to go with you. So have mm-hmm. enough confidence in yourself to say, this person has come to me because they value what I do. Yeah. So I'm going to be transparent and give them like the full experience mm-hmm. that they deserve, but not setting myself up for failure. Yeah. And I mean, and I think that is completely reasonable when you do have a full-time job to be like, 
I can't, can't guarantee. It. Right. And so I, you know, I sent an email. I mean, I sent a message earlier today to someone. Um, I reached out to them about something and she responded. She's like, thanks. I'll get it to you. I'll like respond sometime tomorrow. And it was like, I sent it to her this morning yeah. and she was like, I will respond tomorrow. And it wasn't even like I needed her to do work. I just needed her to, you know, I sent her something that mm-hmm. I just needed to answer from. But I just, I so love that she set that boundary and that expectation yeah. of when you're working a full-time job, you could have a really rough day at work and you just don't feel like doing anything when you would get home. Like you could, like you said, something can go wrong with the house. You could just not feel like doing anything. And so to be realistic about what you can deliver, yeah. I think that's the best way to kind of have establish goodwill with people. Yeah. And full-time jobs are, I mean, you obviously have deadlines, you obviously have schedules, but for me, I think working full-time really gave me foundation on how to operate my business. Mm -hmm. So the whole, like when you're at work, yes, there are things that are like emergencies that need to happen. But for the most part, we're planning in advance. People have like grace periods. We have like all these things kind of built into our schedules. And so knowing that that's how we work at this full-time job and that's what our clients are expecting then, I know that I have space to like Mm -hmm. create like, okay, the average turnaround time is three to five days. And if it's something that's a rush, then we can talk about a rush fee Mm -hmm. or we can talk about ways to get it to you sooner. Um, But I stick to those things because in our working environment where I work, Typically, we have enough time to build those things in, and then we allow for opportunities if something comes up. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to always be working stressed out. Yeah. Like, that is not no. helpful. So, and, you'll, and you'll never yeah. produce your best work. Never. You're just stressed. drinking and taking shots all day. Like, we don't want to be doing that. Like, no. sending emails, like, you know, at 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, With like, tears yeah. in your eyes. Yes. That's not the life you want to live. We don't live. want that. No. So, as an entrepreneur, um, of course you need soft skills. I feel like soft skills is what gets everyone further in life, no Mm -hmm. matter their field. Um, So as an entrepreneur, what are some skills you feel like you need to have in order to establish good relationships and almost sell yourself, especially when you don't, you're not able to devote all of your time to it. So like, how do you navigate different spaces where, um, you could potentially get a a new client Mm -hmm. or, you know, you want to kind of get into this mix of people who need services. I don't know. Like how Mm -hmm. do you establish, like what are some soft skills you need communication, whatever, um, to really have a thriving side business? So I definitely feel like, uh, having confidence is probably like number one, I think when you have your own business, it's super important to come to the table and show that like, hey, you understand the value that you're going to bring. You're confident about what your process is. You're confident that you can actually deliver on what your client is asking you to deliver on. Um, Even if you don't feel quite confident, um, I do believe in faking it until you make it. I do believe that is a thing, and I think sometimes it's necessary. So even when we're in situations where maybe it's a bigger client than we've ever had or it's more money than we've ever had, I think trying to um, always show that you're confident in your ability is like probably the number one thing outside of just communication. Um, And I think that that's verbal and nonverbal communication. So that's, you know, being able to talk to your clients directly and, you know, communicate what expectations are and what you plan to deliver and when deadlines are going to be and what your hours are and how long it's going to take you to respond to emails. I think that's definitely important. Um, But also like the nonverbal communication is important when it just involves looking at your client, 
um, assessing needs that may not be said, um, learning more about them, doing research on them uh, beforehand. Um, I think all of those things are important. I think that the communication, the nonverbal communication can kind of help you be more confident when you kind of can come to the table and say, like, I know this client, I know what they need, I can provide this service. Um, so I would definitely say, like, confidence, communication are, like, my number one soft skills, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, meeting people where they are is important. So, um, you know, if you have somebody who is a new business owner and they don't know what they need to do, you know, being able to like lend a hand and say like, hey, I'm here to help, walking you along the way, taking those steps. I think that's important. If you have somebody that's like super, like I've been in my business for 37 years and I know everything, (laughs) then it's kind of saying like, hey, I understand it. I value your time. I know Mm -hmm. that you don't have a lot of time. So what I'm going to do is make sure that this is going to be an easy process for you and you're going to get exactly what you need. This is going to be, I'm going to stick to the timeline and then setting Mm -hmm. those rules. So I think those two are probably uh, the most important soft skills for my industry, but probably for most industries, um, just kind of having the side hustle and working a full-time job. I think just being clear in communication and very direct is Mm -hmm. like super important, but always maintaining a level of like being confident in what you can provide because mm-hmm. people will like sniff fear out. And if you yep. look like you're not confident, oh, they will. people will feel like they'll try to like lowball you on things. Yep. They'll try to do things that are outside of the scope of work. Yeah. Um, so you really have to like <laughs> stick to your guns and just oh, be like, I am, listen, I have experienced <laughs> scope creep. Oh yeah. Scope creep to is like the super maximum. Real. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and it's but because I mean, you don't you have to do this thing. And it's right. like, well, it's Hey, thank you for doing that. I just need you to do like X, Y, Z. I know it's pro- like, yeah. No. Scope creep creep is the (laughs) worst. But I would say a a soft skill is um, one of the ones that I think is super important is knowing how to talk to people. Yeah. I feel like just being able to craft words in an effective way. You could have the hardest conversations. Yeah. You could fire somebody. And yeah. like still in the conversation, mm-hmm. still end up being friends if yeah. you know how to say it. And a lot, I, I do um, with some of my, I have like fun employee consultations, but I do like ongoing coaching. Mm-hmm. And the majority of the work that I do with coaching is helping people respond to emails. Yeah. And it's literally Diplomatically, like. Diplomatically. Yeah. Without getting fired. Right. It's like how to have this difficult conversation, but a lot of people, they shy away from difficult conversations or they just don't know how they let emotions get in the Mm -hmm. way. They, you know, like if someone talks to them crazy, they're like, oh, I'm coming harder. And it's just like, no. See, this is where having a full-time job comes in. (laughs) Cause like sending crazy emails and a full-time job will get you like written up and fired. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we all have the, you know, please per, per my email before previous email, please see below, please see the attachment. (laughs) Um, I think, you know, like learning how to navigate difficult environments is where Mm -hmm. I, what I've definitely learned from working a full time, um, role working in corporate America, you just have to always have tact. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's like, you know, that's suppressing how you feel because you want to be able to like feel the way you feel, but understanding that, we're all human beings and there's a story behind every single person. So even that person that's like irritating the crap out of you, like they may be going through something personal. Right. So your thing may just take them over the edge. And it's kind of saying like, okay, the same grace I want exceeded to me 
trying mm-hmm. to extend that to other people. And so and that's the same hard. thing talking to people is about like not being taking things personally in business is yeah. so hard. Yeah. It is really hard. Because we artists and we sensitive about that. Okay. Okay. They're real sensitive. But I've had to like I've had to think about it like if I'm sending a difficult email, I'm sending it without the intention of like hurting you. Mm-hmm. So even if you excuse me, are trying to hurt me, I I don't know that for sure. Yeah. So all I can do is assume you mean well mm-hmm. and not take it personally. And like you said, like we don't know what people are dealing with. We don't have all the context. Yeah. And so I think it's just, that's really important. I've seen so many business owners on Instagram and on Twitter yeah. ruining their reputation. Ooh. That's when social media goes super wrong. Because they don't <laughs> know how to have, they don't know how to handle difficult moments it's like you don't take it public you don't talk about it publicly you handle it in email or on the phone and you leave it there because the customer's always right is like such a cliche thing that people always say but i think if you have that mentality where it's like you're providing a service or like Mm -hmm. someone's coming to you for something i think trying to like have that mentality is a great place to start. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, all right, the person that you're talking to is a person that's investing in something that has to do with me. So then how do I try to create a, a goal should be to try to con- retain the customer, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, what can you do so that this customer will not only come back, but also speak very highly of your business. Right. You can turn like the worst customer or the worst client until like the biggest person to go out and like talk mm-hmm. about your business in such a positive way to get you business. I mean, they, you know, they have positive experience. They're willing yeah. to talk about it. But I think it's like really thinking about that and like, what are the repercussions of like, Okay, I mean, maybe somebody did come for your neck. <laughs> I understand it was nasty. I understand something. But, you know, right. it's kind of like, do you want that to be, you know, what people know you for? Because exactly. it's all about how you respond, not exactly. about how Exactly. And that's the thing. I've I've gotten fired by clients. Mm-hmm. And because of how it all fold, like unfolded, mm-hmm. we are still amicable. Yeah. And, like, you know, we're... Everything is pleasant when I see them. It just wasn't a good fit professionally, yeah. but and that happens. I think you know? yeah, like you have to really not take things personally and not the the overall goal is like your business is going to last beyond this one customer yes. or client. So how are you going to deal with this one situation? Because yeah. that will determine what happens. Yeah, how they talk about you, the next person, and the next person, and this is I mean this is your brand, and like this is a whole mm-hmm. other yeah. conversation about your brand mm-hmm. and you know. Your, what your reputation is and what people say about you when you're not there to say it for yourself it's like you really have to know how to speak yeah. to people and the customer is always right I know a lot of times the customer is wrong oh yes definitely but wrong. you don't have to <laughs> always let them know yeah you know yeah and so that's kind of my thing is like I've I've listening to the book the seven habits of highly successful people mm-hmm. and one of the habits is always being able to create win-win situations or being of the mindset of win-win. Yeah. So, you know, the minute you're like win-lose, you're thinking about them. Um, you know, like you're, when it's like win-lose, it's like I want to win, so you have to lose. Yeah. Or lose-win, which is like, I'm going to take this L so that you can be mm-hmm. happy. It's like none of those will work. Yeah. You have to always be of the mindset of how can I please you and also like maintain my integrity and in yeah. what I want to do. And so I think you know, being of that mindset really yeah. is a game changer because you're always, you're coming into every situation with the purest of intentions in my mm-hmm. mind. It's required. I think today too, like, you know, it. social media is like instant. 
And I think people, you know, you can go viral in an instant mm-hmm. and like it can propel your business to like success beyond your measure. And someone could say something terrible about your business and it could ruin your business. Shut your business down. We've seen it with like major companies who've had snafus, you know, like how they, you know, treated some of their clientele or their customers and they haven't like thought about things all the way through. Um, so we've seen it happen. So I think people always have to keep that in mind that people are like, like one key away from ruining your mm-hmm. business um and so thinking that like okay i want this person to be a positive carrier of this message forward instead of them per- them coming back and talking negatively about mm-hmm. it and so how can i get to that place where they can take this message and say like hey we had a disagreement or you know it didn't work out but right. she was gracious or she was still nice about it you know or whatever it takes in order for you to kind of push your push the goal for because yeah. at the end of the day the goal is for you to create a business that you can sustain. Mm-hmm. Clients are a part of that process, but you're going to have many, many clients. Many clients. So you can't, like, you know, the people fall who, on the The floor. people who I was yeah. so pressed and were the center of my world in 2016 mm-hmm. when I first started my business are not yeah. even a figure of my, you know, mm-hmm. like, things grow and evolve, but you can never... You can't take back. Reputation yeah. is something that is... Very important, and I think it's something that you have to. It takes it takes time to build, but it can be ruined like very quickly. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to spend all that time, you know, building a reputation um, and then having it crumble because you know you got into you, something someone had you effed up. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, you can talk to your friends about it on the side, right? You know, all day, get it every out, day. call somebody, cuss them out, tell them about it, and then, dear Karen, <laughs> I am so sorry. You know, and and that's moved on. Right, right. Exactly. (laughs) So, um, lastly, um, so what is your... So, I have had a number of people write me Mm -hmm. and tell me that my fun employee journey has inspired them to quit their job. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I definitely... I'm happy to inspire people. Definitely want people to feel motivated to take the leap and whatever they feel like is holding them back from living the life that they want to live. Uh, I want them to to shed that, to leave what no longer serves them and to go, you know, passion, go whatever in the direction of their dreams. Or there's some kind of quote yeah. that you know what I'm talking about. Um, so, but this full-time entrepreneurship life is not for everyone. And I would never tell people, quit your job, go do what you want to do. You know, I'm always like, find out what makes you feel alive and what makes you really wake up every day and love what you do. Um, and try to make that your reality on the daily. For So for some people, it may be full-time entrepreneurship. For other people, it may be a side hustle. For other people, it may be just pivoting like Monica and finding another full-time job that they love. So what would you say to someone who may feel like entrepreneurship, full-time entrepreneurship is their only way? So I would definitely say being an entrepreneur, regardless of how you decide to do it, is a journey in discovery of yourself. And I think taking the time to like really realize like who you are and figure out like what is important to you and what things that you value. And I think once you figure those things out, I think you can decide what path actually works the best for you. And so for me, I value stability. So kind of doing the full-time job and then having the side hustle gives me stability so I cannot feel like I am like out of control because I would be scared all the time if I just did full-time entrepreneurship. Um, 
So I think it's really trying to figure out like who you are and like what you value. And that could be what you value today Mm -hmm. and also like what you value in the future. So if it's like, I want to get to the point where like I make a million dollars and like, yeah, so do I. (laughs) Um, But kind of figure out like, what is the most comfortable way for you to get a million dollars? If you are the person that's like, hey, I like to take a gamble. I only, I, I, I'm driven by like fear. I want to scare myself into these dreams. Like I love that. I'm going to just go for it. Then I feel like if that is the way that you can attain the dreams that you want, I think that you should go after that. If you're going to be willing to like put in the work to get to where you want to get there, and that means taking the, the leap and being a full-time entrepreneur, I say like go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, because... You know, some people may be stagnant in the way where they have some security may be too comfortable for them mm-hmm. and it may not ever get them to the place where they are like going to follow their dreams because they're like way too comfortable with the job that they mm-hmm. have every day. Um, but I think it's really trying to figure out like what motivates you mm-hmm. and what makes you comfortable and then deciding what your pathway yeah. is for that. So. I that, That's exactly right because, you know, people ask me, you know, why did you choose entrepreneurship? And it's it all goes back to the values. I value freedom. Mm-hmm. I didn't like having someone wondering where I was and it's 905 or 910 mm-hmm. and I, you know I didn't like having to ask for permission to take PTO you know I just yeah. I always valued the ability to just do what I wanted to do yeah, free spirit. Um, and even though you know I'm very much uh, my clients are my boss I have a bunch of bosses yeah. right now um, but I still I still feel like I have the freedom to move mm-hmm. how I want to move. Yep. If I want to work from another place, I can, you know. And so it all goes back to values. Some people don't value freedom. They value stability. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just you really have to think about, you know, who am I in my core and what do I want out of yep. life? Like what means the most to me? Yep. And so, you know, I will never. who stability. And I think the thing too is like full-time job is not like a death sentence. I think sometimes it's like, you working for the man. Like, you know, like I tell you, I think you can The man pays me on time and (laughs) the man gives me benefits. And I think they're like, (laughs) you know, there are jobs. I have been fortunate to find jobs where I don't feel like, um, I mean, obviously I work full-time. So like I need to be working, you know, full-time actually doing work 40 hours a week. Um, But there is flexibility even in full-time jobs. So Mm -hmm. I think right now a lot of um, newer companies, they value entrepreneurial spirit. So they are, you know, looking for people who have that entrepreneurial spirit. So they want to create opportunities for people to work from home and to be flexible and to not have so many rules. So I think if you like stability, but you like freedom, you can also find a job that Mm -hmm. gives you some of that too. Um, I think it really is just finding like what Mm -hmm. is the thing that drives you some people just don't want to be in an office at all right and I get it because I don't want to be in the office a lot either (laughs) um but I think it's like you know making a list of things I think it's kind of like putting a hierarchy on the things that are most important to you and kind of seeing like okay when I list these things out you know what is the most important and if that if you know stability is the most important then it's maybe it's keeping the job if freedom is the most important then maybe it's kind of going after those dreams if it's a mixture and they're kind of tied maybe it's finding a job that's flexible that gives you freedom and maybe you can work from home a couple days a week and then you also have Mm -hmm. a side hustle so I think there's no wrong formula to like how you kind of do it I think it's just based on what really like works for you and allows you the opportunity to like really go after your dreams and like follow your passions without being like, you know, depressed because you're like, you know, sitting in a room with four walls and like, you know, banging your head on a computer right. every day. Like yeah. we don't want that. Yeah. But you can find your path. I think everybody can figure that out um, by just thinking about what they value most. Yeah. I love that. I love that. 
all goes back to knowing who you are at your core. Yeah. If you don't know who you are, then you don't know the kind of life you're going to uh, build for yourself. So, um, thank you so much. This is fun. You yeah, were dropping gems left and right. Um, but of course, we cannot leave the episode without doing a win and a woe. So, Shannon Bass of Rhino Graphics, what is your win for the week and your woe for the week? Okay, so I'm going to start with my woe, which I turned into a win. So I don't even know if it counts, I love but, okay. when this happens. So it's not really a big thing, um, but like what you were saying earlier about like being an entrepreneur, like all of those things that are involved in it. And, you know, I'm used to paying my taxes on like, you know, April 15th. And I always file late. I'm like always getting an extension. I mean, because like I'm never ready. Right. And so I was sitting around and I realized like, oh, I need to like file like 1099s for people that I've hired as contractors. And uh, I hadn't done it. And I like reached out and they were like, look, you have until the 31st. And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing, right? <laughs> and I got like two days to like get it. I have to send it off to people. And so it was an almost devastating well because if you don't file by January 31st, you cannot claim those expenses. Mm. And I do not Ooh. want the government Could you imagine for me. paying someone all this money and the government's listen. like, actually, you didn't I would have had it. to call them up and be like, Sam, like, listen. I got I really, proof. I just got it. Can you please? Because... I definitely don't want to do that. So I have filed my last 99s today. <laughs> yes, thank you. Amen. But uh, see, that's another thing. People people feel like I'm good at something. I like something. I'm going to start a business doing it. And it's like what you love to do is only a percentage. A small percentage. Small percentage of what you will be doing as oh a business gosh. owner. Getting bank accounts and like, you know, making sure you write checks, making sure you like do your expenses and making sure they're separate. Realizing that you can't even claim Half of the things that you used to claim, like you used to claim entertainment, you cannot claim any entertainment expenses. So like even knowing tax laws yeah. is important to like owning your own Getting business. your business licenses renewed and knowing yeah. how to track track expenses and track, you know, yeah. your business assets and products. It's a lot. Look. What's the structure what's the, of your company and right. entity and like are your assets protected? It's a lot of stuff. There is so, so much. If you like to bake pies... Yeah. And you want to start a pie business. <laughs> Baking pies will be about 10%, 10% of what you do. 10%. <laughs> you got to get an online system to track orders, like how you going to do delivery, so many different things. So taxes is something that I actually don't like doing ever. Um, and I almost... You know, missed the boat. It's January 31st right that, now. That's the kind of thing they call you quit your side job because, huh. you know, you don't want to. If I did not... That. I had to do my 1099s like a week and a half early. I did it the same day the Ivy Park launch. And I'm like, these are both equally important. yes. (laughs) Let me do this. And I reward myself with Ivy Park. So I can know how much money I can spend on But I was like, I cannot wait till the last minute. Because knowing me, something will go wrong. Yeah, I mean, I I literally forgot. Actually, I just didn't even really think about it. Um, But those are things that, you know, you don't even realize until Mm -hmm. you get to that space. So prior to like... 
you know, this year I've had contractors, but I've never paid out the amount of money I paid out this year. And so it really just wasn't a thought because in the past I just claimed it as expenses. But I'm like, oh, I have to actually send people. Oh, I have to mail mm-hmm. this stuff. So that I was got, almost I got a you in the mail. I got I it. I had to send it. And it's, I try to put, you know, make it real business-like. <laughs> it was nice. Real formal. It was real nice. I appreciate <laughs> Please see it. I was like, shout out to Rhino Graphics for investing yes, in Leap in the In the last minute, you got like one day to tell me if it's correct because I have no time for any changes. So yeah. that was my woe um, that I've turned into a win because I can now claim all of my contract labor. Uh, Cause I, if I had to claim it on my own, I don't know what I mm. would do. Um, my win for the week. I don't know. These wins and woes are real. Like, I don't know. They kind of lukewarm. So I would say <laughs> um, my win is, um, I have taken the first step to a big dream that I have. Um, and I've started to say it out loud, which is a big deal for me because I'm the person that's like, don't tell people your dreams mm-hmm. because they're going to like either t- not take them, but it's just almost like jinxes your dreams. Um, but I have kind of taken the first step um, into a dream that I've had for a while that I am actually trying to make like an actual reality. I'm setting timelines for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I am like reaching out to do like business plans and talk to people um, to try to really get something going. And it's a big deal because it's like probably the biggest thing I've done in my entire career. It's like life changing for me. Um, so like to take that first step to kind of speak it into existence is like a really big deal for me. So, so now I've told people they're going to hold me accountable for yep. it. Um, but I, but I want it. that, you know, like I want the accountability. So that's probably a big win for me to just move, you know, one step closer to making my dream a reality. So that's exciting. I can't Yay. wait for it to like realize <laughs> yeah. and for us all to enjoy yeah. and just relish and just be proud that a black woman is doing amazing things. I'm going to try to make everybody proud. You've already made us proud. Thank you. Don't you you worry. (laughs) Um, Okay, so my win. I am admittedly not the most organized, but um, I have, I purchased those like oversized sticky notes and put them on my wall in my office, as you can see back there, with everything I need to do for all of my clients. And usually I end up, what I, what, what happens is I drop the ball on stuff. And even if a client doesn't know that I'm dropping the ball, mm-hmm. like they'll hit me up and be like, Hey, just following up on da da da. And I'm like, yeah, yes. right away. Right on top of that road. <laughs> like, oh my God, this was sitting in my inbox and yes. I totally forgot. Like, I thought I sent it already. Right. I had it drafted and didn't, you know, like, <laughs> yes. That's like that's like yeah that's like everyone message. every professional oh I know oh, this got lost in my box and got right. separated in the wrong and so what I've done is I've created and this is almost it's something that I've learned Toria actually kind of she used the system of like having the white paper mm-hmm. and then like you mark what's done what needs mm-hmm. to be done blah, blah 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 and so I haven't gone that deep into it because I'm not that organized but at least I've written out all of my clients and what I need to do. And I check out, like I check everything mm-hmm. off. And I have had two clients tell me that this week that they feel like they've made such a great investment yes. by working with me. And I, I can really, really attribute it to the fact that I have really taken steps to take myself more seriously as an entrepreneur. Like I know earlier Shannon and I were talking about, um, 
goals and like financial goals, you know, what we want to bring in a month. And I was telling her what I, what my dream is to bring in every month. And she was saying, you know, it's not just enough to say it and believe it, but are you that person? Are you operating as a person who brings in X amount a month? Mm -hmm. And honestly, I wasn't last year. I wasn't, you know, I was really lax. I was interrupting my day. I was, you know, like just doing a lot of things that I'm like, a person who makes the type of money I want to make would not be doing these Mm -hmm. kind of things. And so I needed to make different investments. I needed to get more disciplined. I needed to like really be hard on myself and draw boundaries. And so one of the things that I've done was be really diligent about knowing everything that's going on with my clients at all times, what's coming up, what, you know, and so that way I have less room to like drop the ball on stuff. And so I'm just happy that, you know, in the, this week in particular, I have, I just, I've been on top of stuff Look at you. in a way that's uncharacteristically me, I have to say, or uncharacteristically who I used to be. Yeah. Um, on your way to making yes. that money. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, my mom had to stop me cause I'm like, Jana would never do that. And she's like, oh, Jana would never do that. Yeah, this is the this new is Jana. The new this Jana. is 2020 Jana. This is 2020 Jana okay. who has 2020. Who is 2021 Jana, though? Okay, <laughs> that's the thing. I need to start I need yeah. to start operating in 2021 Jana's um, yeah. mindset. That's what my goals are. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be ridiculous, but like mm-hmm. 2021 Shannon? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We got yeah. And so that's the thing is like operating at your highest self not only in for who we are today, but who we want to be. Yes. Like, how yeah. does that person act? Yep. Yep. And I just realized that the person whose life I want to live. Yes. I'm, I'm yes. Not, not doing that yet. on a daily, on a daily We're basis. We're on the way right. to that. We have the So potential. that's my win for the week. Um, my woe. Um... You know, professionally, I don't really have a woe this week. I feel like this has been a really great week. I've been on top of things. I've been a little bit more disciplined and hard on myself. But this Kobe Bryant news, man, it has thrown me off my game. I have not been able to sleep. Yeah. Um, I've just been like, can cry at the drop of a hat. It's so sad. Um, I don't even know what to say about it. Yeah, it's just, I didn't think that... You know, I think certain certain deaths hit you because you like certain deaths don't hit as hard because you can yeah. kind of almost see it coming mm-hmm. based on lifestyle or whatever. But yeah. like this is one that I just did not expect, yeah. and so I think for me the grieving has been a little bit different and harder um, yeah. because it just really reminds you of how yeah. fragile life mm-hmm. is, and it's like you can do everything right, you can yeah. you know you can be there for your family and be really involved and still. Like you have no control over what happens. And so like, I've just, I've been down, but in a way, like it's really forced me to just be more present for my family. Like I went to dinner with my parents today and we just talked about life and, um, but it's just, it's been really hard to like, just Mm -hmm. digest. It still doesn't feel real. Like I was, before you got here, I was watching ESPN getting ready for the Lakers game and they were just doing all this stuff on Kobe and it's just like every time I saw the words like Kobe Bryant death I know Kobe Bryant died like it just doesn't honoring really Kobe Bryant who was killed I'm just like it, it does it not feel real and I just can't imagine what his wife is going through and his kids and so 
Like, I'll have these moments of highs and wins, and then, like, just randomly, it'll just, yeah. like, come back. And I hear that that's how grief is. It's, like, just randomly. And we're older, so I think we're starting to, you know, our mortality is something that is something we consider a little bit more. Like, when you're younger, you kind of feel mm-hmm. like you're invincible. Yeah. Um, but as we get older, I think it's, like, we probably pay a little bit more attention to, like, when people pass away, when it's unexpected. Mm-hmm. And I think... Part of it is for us to take that time to say, well, what am I doing? And like, what is my legacy going to be? And what am I leaving behind? And what are people going to say about me? And so that's the positive part I take from it, even though it's still like incredibly sad. sad. Yeah. And his daughter, you know. Yeah. 13 um, is like, wow. Yeah. She wasn't, she was just barely getting started. And, you know, I saw... They did an interview, Kobe did an interview, and they were saying, you know, Kobe, you got to have some boys, so someone has to carry on the torch, and she was like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And so just, like, to know that even, like, that her precious life was cut short, it you know, it really just, you know, it just makes you just really just stop and just mm-hmm. think Put about things life. things in perspective, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. So, um, that's probably my woe for the week. It's, yeah. you know, something that, a week that would otherwise be very you know, joyful and positive. Mm-hmm. It's just like this like looming cloud. It's very of, heavy. Like, yeah. You know, so, um, but we are here and we still have, we have been given another opportunity to grow and learn and love and make mm-hmm. change and just evolve. And so I am forever grateful that um, our time is not up yet. Yeah. So. Make the best of the time we have left. Yes. Amen. So, Shannon, thank you so much. Thank you. I've this enjoyed it. This was so it. much fun. I love, I mean, I get your gems all the time. So, we have conversations I mean, all the time. Right. So. <laughs> we'll but, probably talk after we cut the mic off. <laughs> right. But I just, I'm so happy that I finally got you on to share everything um, that I love to hear from you uh, with these people that I have grown to love in this community that I've built. So, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they connect with you? Um, I am on Instagram. Um, I'm at design her, H-E-R, design her one word. Um, and I'm also at Rhino Graphics on Instagram. It's R-Y-A-N-O Graphics. Um, so yeah, check me out on there. Uh, that's my personal page and my business page. Um, so yeah. And of course you can find me on Instagram at Jana M. Hall and on Facebook by the same name. Um, if you have any questions, you can shoot me an email at foreverfunemployed at gmail.com. And until next time, bye fun employed friends. <laughs>